Lord, no matter what your word says, that perfect love casts out fear. And Lord, no matter what's going on in our lives, we just want to choose to trust you, place all of our hope in you. We just want to do that every day. I pray that you would give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. said last week, I feel like I need to parachute in after something like that or surf or I don't know, an explosion or whatever, but uh, you just get me walking up and uh, that's the way it is. So welcome to Northridge. We're so glad you're here. Um, We are here and um, we've got all kinds of good things. Uh, We're wrapping up our series called Double Dog Dare and, and it's just, I'm excited about it. Um, but it's kind of sad. I don't know about you, but it's kind of sad to see this go. I mean, we've had juggling and we've eaten nasty, terrible jelly beans and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, Laura, I forgot my notes actually. Could you get them in my backpack? They're in the closet. I just realized that I I can probably do it, but just in case I I just realized like, Hey, I don't even have my notes up here, but anyway, but, uh, but I'm just really, uh, yeah, it's what's that? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I have some other dares for you, too, if I try that. So, uh, very good. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Um, see, we have fun here at Northridge, right? This is awesome. So, we are glad that you're here, and uh, we are wrapping it up, and we're giving you smart dares. We've given you several smart dares, and today, uh, we're going to give you one more. And uh, But for those of you who are here for the first time, I know a couple of you may be here for the very first time, never been here before. We want to say welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here, and, um, and we just want you to know a couple of things. Uh, one, that you're welcome here, but two, that this is a safe place. Thank you. See? My, give a hand for my assistant. Thank you, Laura. Awesome. Nice, nice job. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, this is true. You know why she said, she definitely wanted the notes. She said, you will preach way longer if you don't have your notes. <laughs> she knows me well, and that is true. So uh, you don't want me to take that dare. Um, but we are glad that you're here, and this is a safe place for you. No matter where you're at with God, 
no matter if you've been walking with God for a long time or you're just starting or if you're here and you're not sure where your relationship is with God or if you even believe in God, this is a safe place for you here at Northridge. And we want you to know that. That's very important for um, us to let you know that and for you to realize that. Um, So we are wrapping up this series, Double Dog Dare. And today we're talking about defying the waves. Defying the waves. How do we defy the waves? And what do we mean by that? Well, in order to kind of start this off, let me tell you a story. Last summer, and I've told some of you parts of this story, but last summer, uh, my brother and I and his family and my family, Laura and I and our three kids and their two kids and my parents, we all went to the Carolinas to spend a few days at the beach, at the ocean. We spent like four or five days there, something like that. And, uh, And it was a blast partially because there were no hurricanes coming through like Matthew. Have you seen the pictures? They've dealt with a lot of stuff. But it was, uh, it was a beautiful week, and, uh, and the waves were pretty good size. They were pretty decent waves uh, most of the week. But then there was just this one day, there was a bunch of storms that came through the, in the middle of the night, and then by the next morning, everything opened up. It was sunny. It was a beautiful day. But the waves were huge. I mean, these waves were like several feet high where you kind of, as soon as you get to the beach, you look out, you go, Oh, yeah, those are serious waves. I mean, you can hear them. You can see them. They're crashing. Not only are they breaking on the shore, but they're breaking, you know, further out because they're so big. And so they're building on top of themselves. And so Bryce and I, my brother and I, we were really excited because we don't know how to surf, but we do have our body boards. It's kind of like the weakling version of surfing. That's that's what it is. So we had our boogie boards. And so we're like, we're going to go out there and try to catch these waves and try to ride them all the way in because they were they were monster waves. They were several feet high. They're the, they're the kind that when you get in and you start swimming out, you know, you have to get past that first break. And those are the easy ones because you're still kind of walking. You know, those are easy. But then there's that second break where the big ones are breaking out like where you can't touch and you have to just tread water. When we got out there, uh, I mean, we're looking up at these waves and they're kind of coming down on you like this. And we're like, I mean, when we got out there, we're kind of like, yeah, okay. I mean, it took a little bit out of us. But what was amazing to us is to swim out past those breakers, to get to where we could actually start riding those waves and actually catch some of those we had to push through a whole bunch of huge waves. And when we got to a certain spot, they were breaking, you know, what I'm talking about, right on top of us, where we're not quite there where we can ride it. And so we have to get through it. And so we were having to dive underneath the waves. And let me tell you, there were a couple of times that we didn't quite make it. And those things pounded and we got flipped over a couple of times. And, you know, lots of salt water up the nose and everything else. And so by the time we got out, basically what I'm saying is, by the time we got out there, we were just breathing heavy. And we were like... <sighs> You know, we're doing this number and we're just treading water. We just had to sit out there for two, three minutes, just catching our breath before we actually could swim to try to catch a wave. Well, that, the, I, the reason I tell that story that, that was going on with us is because today when we talk about waves, that's kind of what we're talking about. Our culture, our world is kind of like a series of waves, relentless, pounding, really just kind of manipulative, kind of just hammer on us all the time to be this, do that, buy this, go here, be this way, treat people this way. You should have this. You should want this. You should get this. And they're constantly relentless, pounding and pounding and from everything else. Let me give you an example. Uh, Advertising is a great example of our culture pounding us constantly with waves. 
Okay, you guys will get this right away. Let me show you a couple of ads. McDonald's has an ad, and you can kind of see they put up ads like this of a Big Mac, right? This is like, wow, that thing looks incredible. But then you get the actual Big Mac. This is reality, right? <laughs> That's what you end up with. We all know this is true because we've unwrapped it, and you go, yeah. Less than uh, overwhelming on that one, okay? Listen, uh, Burger King is the same way. See, Whopper. Woo, beautiful. Look at that sucker. And this is what you really get. <laughs> right? I mean, this is the truth. This is what it is. Okay, let me, let me give you some other examples. I've, I've actually don't see very many advertisements for this, but how many of you have ever thought, hey, I want to go to the Eiffel Tower, have a romantic day on the lawn next to the Eiffel Tower? I mean, and of course, like, you know, a checkered cloth, and nicely placed grapes, bottle of wine, I mean, sun, it's just amazing, right? I mean, the Eiffel Tower. But we all know everybody goes to the Eiffel Tower, so this is what reality is. (laughs) That's the same spot. Do you notice that? It's the same spot. Welcome to your reality, right? And and so you have this evidence. Let's go to another one, okay? Uh, A water sprinkler, okay? This is what you usually see on the the boxes, right? Because you're walking by the shelf. This is what you see. Here's what reality is. (laughs) Woohoo! I mean, look at the kid's face. The kid is like, are you kidding me? This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Okay, or, or let's go. I have one more. Okay, inflatable pool. Look at this. Kids are loving it. There's like 1,200 kids. in. Okay, there's only three, but there's one standing off the side. But then this is reality. Okay, and this, I mean, look at that. There's three kids underneath that canopy over there. Look at that. There's no way three kids fit under there. Not even close. If there's three kids, they're like squeezed together like sardines. Okay, I mean, this is, this is what our culture does to us constantly. They bombard us and they say, you need this. You need more of this. You need to get this. If you don't get this, you will not be happy. So fork it over. Buy this. Get this. Do this. Be this way. Make sure you act this way. Treat people this way. Do this. Do that. And it's like a a series of waves, isn't it? Anybody else feel that way sometimes from our culture? Boom, 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 boom. Do this. Vote here. Vote for this guy. Blah, 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 blah. We've got a little bit of that going on, don't we? Somebody, it's basically like shouting and somebody's trying to shout louder than everybody else. That's where our culture can probably be summed up. Everybody's shouting and somebody's just trying to shout louder than everybody else. And that's our, our culture is a series of waves. And so when we talk about today, defy the waves, we're talking about going against the waves that our culture constantly is trying to push us back to the shore. And what we need to realize is the real life is past the waves. And it's the opposite direction of a lot of times what our culture is giving us as waves. And so we need to defy them. We need to go against them. We need to swim through them, under them, as I was sharing in that story. Well, Scripture, of course, talks a little bit about these waves and what our response should be and what we should really think about when it, when it comes to the behavior, the, 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 the traditions, and, and some of the waves that our culture provides. I want to take you to Romans 12, 2. It talks a little bit about this. I've shared this verse a couple times before here at Northridge, but it's a, a really good one. It talks about this dynamic. This is what it says. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs or waves of this world. But let God transform, change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, God's plan for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. See, God's desire for us, God's desire for us is that we would have a life that is full of joy, 
full of love, full of freedom, full of peace. But the, the truth is, I don't know about you, but, but most often, I don't think we experience that kind of life. We experience the kind of life where we're tired to get up in the morning. We experience the kind of life where nothing's quite going right. Or even on the good days, we are going right, and we're just exhausted because we've done so many things, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's not necessarily all bad. I mean, I know yesterday I got home and I was exhausted from just walking around, doing all the, you know, food and everything. But it was an amazing day. It was a great day. So there are some times when tired, that's not a bad thing. But it is to be tired when we have been constantly been pounded and allowed ourselves to be pounded by our culture throughout every day or by a job or by a thing, uh, any other things. We can put all this stuff in there. And God says, I don't want you to have this frantic, busy, hurried, stressed out life. I want you to have a life that is full of freedom, full of joy, full of peace, full of forgiveness, full of grace. And yet, what we tend to experience is this life of frantic pace. Now, this verse talked about that we need to change the way we think. We've talked a little bit about this before at Northridge. Change the way we think. What does that mean? Well, let me give a couple of thoughts to this, a couple of ideas of maybe how we can change the way we think. One uh, suggestion is this. We need to stop, as followers of Christ, but just in general, people, but as followers of Christ especially, we need to stop trying to find our love and our acceptance and our worth, our self-value, um, the value of our faith. We need to stop finding that value in whether or not the world accepts us. We need to stop finding our value, the, the faith and our life and, and how valuable we are as people we need to stop basing that, how we view that, how we see that, based on how much or how good the world or our culture or people in this world accept us and accept our faith. Okay, let me explain kind of what that means. Jesus talks a little bit about this. And this is one of those verses that's, that's hard to hear. But it's important to hear because we sometimes feel like acceptance from the world is what we're trying to achieve. And I think that that's what's creating this stressful, frustrated life. We see somebody with that kind of van and we're like, we need that kind of van, you know, because their kids seem to be good, like, you know, when they go on trips and stuff. So we need the van. We need the one that has the screen in the middle, because if it's not in the middle, then one kid can't see it. And if it's not in the middle, so we need to get a different one, you know, and, and we constantly play this oh, one up, one up, one up, one up. And there's always something better around the corner. It's kind of like when you get your, I've mentioned this before, you get your smartphone or your computer home. By the time you get home from the store, you know what's happened, right? It's obsolete. They've already made the next better one. Like you might as well just go back to the store. In fact, let's just do that. Let's just spend our time at the store. Let's live there. And let's just keep buying the next big thing because they keep bringing them in, right? And that's what our culture does. And it brings in this, this thing that we feel like, oh, we're behind. We need to be accepted. And we're not cool for not, we don't have this or we don't treat people this way. But Jesus speaks to this. John chapter 15, this is Jesus' words. He's speaking directly. He says, if the world hates you, followers of Christ, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. You're no longer allowing the waves to pressure you. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Now, 
Jesus goes on after this, and this sounds like strong language. This is not one of those that you kind of, this is not one of those that you put on your refrigerator, right? Those, those of you, I've never seen this one framed in somebody's house, right? I mean, it's just not, it's not like, woo, I love this one. <laughs> Bring the truth, Jesus. That is awesome. I mean, I want to see that every morning, right? But, it, but it's true. And what Jesus is saying, he goes on after this to say, he makes the logical. And, and did you know Jesus has very, there's a lot of supernatural, there's a lot of faith, there's a lot of miracle stuff. But then he's also extremely logical. Jesus goes on, I'm not going to read this part, but he goes on and he says, listen, let me tell you the logic behind this. Jesus says, people hate me. They dislike me a lot because I tell them a different way to live and they don't want to hear it. And Jesus is saying, by logic, if you follow me, if you're a follower of Christ, since they didn't like me so much, they might not like you so much either. And Jesus says, There's, it just correlates. It makes sense that if they didn't like me and you're trying to live the same way that I am telling you to live, they may not like you either. And so maybe changing the way we think is realizing the acceptance from this culture, from this world is not necessarily going to happen. Now, Jesus uses the word hate. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but when you hear the, see the word hate or hear the word hate, it's like, wow, that's a strong word. So the world hates us as Christians? Well, some people may, but we have to realize in this culture, we probably haven't gotten the brunt of that, have we? We probably don't have a lot of people that literally hate us or at least say they do. Okay? This is really a lot of people around in other parts of the world, other cultures, they get this. Because when they accept Christ, their family literally disowns them. They say, you are no longer my son. You are no longer my daughter. There are thousands and thousands of people that have found that reality just this year. People that come to Christ in other cultures, they are hated, literally hated. Now, we don't usually get that. But what we do is sometimes we have the social stigma or we hide who we are. We hide that we love Jesus or that we believe in Jesus. We hide that we go to church because we know that people may not accept us the same. We may not get invited to the same parties. That's the level of hate that we experience. Isn't that true? That we kind of have these softer levels of dislike. And we wouldn't necessarily call it hate, but that's what Jesus was speaking to. And so maybe we need to change the way we think. Now, let me offer a couple of things, too, about this. Just because this says that the world is ha- going to hate us or that the world is going to dislike the fact that we have faith in Jesus, that does not mean that we should just allow ourselves to be doormats. It doesn't, Jesus is not saying, just let people treat you however you want. They're not going to like you because you love Jesus, so just deal with it. It's not what Jesus is saying here. The second thing Jesus is not saying is, he's not saying that hatred's okay. He's not giving... He's not giving like authority to say, it's okay that people hate us or it's okay that we hate other people. Um, He's definitely not saying a lot of people, a lot of Christians take this and you guys know this to be true. It's why sometimes Christianity gets a bad rap. It's because some Christians take this verse and they think it to mean that it's okay to hate other people since they hate us. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that we will do great to show them a different way which means no matter if they hate us or not, we're still going to love them. And that's what Jesus is trying to say, that this is a reality. He's simply making a statement to say, we don't get our worth and our faith from the fact that the world accepts us because they're not going to accept you. They won't. We have to swim under the waves. We have to defy the waves. 
Okay, let me give a second thought to this. So we need to change the way we think and that we have to get acceptance from this world. The second way that we really need to change the way we think, and this is, this is just a very different one, is we need to, and, and I think about this. This is a problem that I have a lot of times. I really do. We need to stop thinking about God and reading our Bible and prayer and going to church or doing life groups and all that kind of stuff. We need to stop viewing that as another thing to do in the checklist. I think this way. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm bearing my soul to you. Even though I'm a pastor, I'm involved in church all the time, every minute. I sometimes start thinking about like, oh, I wish I could just not do this and do this instead. Go golfing or what, you know, whatever. That, I mean, you know, there's a hundred things that I just use golfing as one of those things because I, you know, I enjoy doing that. Don't get to do it as much as I would like to, which would be a lot. But I have all these ideas, you know, I'd rather just sit down and watch football. I'd rather just go on a hike or I'd rather, there are a lot of times, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but there are a lot of times that I would rather do something else than read my Bible or pray or, or even sometimes on Sunday mornings, I wake up just feeling like, I just don't, I'm not feeling it today. I'm just tired today. And, and I think that I know what I have to struggle against is I have to change the way I'm thinking about it. We need to stop thinking about God and things of God and connecting with God as something else that we have to do in the midst of all the other stuff that we have to do. And we need to start thinking about God as the solution to all the problems and why we have to do all the things we're doing. In other words, God needs to be inserted into everything we are doing and probably we will stop doing some of the things we're doing and start doing some other things that we should have been doing And I believe that God will take that and become the solution of all the things that we're trying to do with all the stuff that we are doing already. In other words, God needs to become part of the solution rather than something on a to-do list. Okay, I went to church today. Now we can get on with the rest of the week. (laughs) And instead, maybe Sunday morning, for example, becomes the power that reminds us that starting the rest of the day and starting tomorrow when we go to work and everything that we have in the evening activities and the people we're going to hang out with, that God is the solution to everything that we're doing instead of something that we just have to get done. And so it changes the way we think. Let me share with you a really powerful... uh, Well, before I get into that, I want to mention something else to you. Um, This Double Dog Deer series has been intense, hasn't it? I mean, we've hit some, we've hit around some really hard things. I know we have because I've had some unbelievably hard conversations with people that they brought up and they say, hey, I want to talk about something. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm thankful for that because God has been doing some amazing things. So this, this series has been intense. But I just want to mention that with this dynamic that, that God needs to be something, uh, a part of, we have to understand this is something that we need to connect with the Creator who is trying to give us peace. Even though we're chasing peace and chasing joy and chasing all these things with all the stuff that we're doing, we're trying to find happiness and purpose. The only way we're going to find that is to connect with God. Connect with Jesus himself. And this next series that we're going to do is called Recharge. And that's what it's all about. We're going to kind of... um, I don't know if it's going to change the pace a little bit or change the intensity, but, but we're going to talk about what does it look like? What can we do to really connect our soul, our life with God? 
And, um, and so that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a shorter series. We're going to have Food for Kids that's kind of crammed in the middle of it. But we're going to have several weeks, three weeks, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to find rest for your soul. Anybody long for that? In the midst of this culture? Yeah. I think just about everybody's longing for that. And so we're going to talk about that with the Recharge series. Um, And as I always say, I'm excited about it. (laughs) Because I am. Um, But 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 talks a little bit about this dynamic of how we should view the world and view the, the waves of the world. It says this. It says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father, the love of God in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. That's not like the good kind of pride, like self-worth. It's the, it's the bad kind of pride that makes you think you're better than everybody else. These are not from the Father. These are not from God, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, what our culture tends to do is it tends to offer us promises. Just like the advertisements. We laugh about that because we all know that that is a true dynamic. When you see the advertisement and then you get it, we've done this. Laura and I have bought things for our kids and we're like, whoa, that would be awesome. We've either seen it on TV or you see it on the box and then you get it home and you go, this is really stupid. Like, it's really dumb, you know? Or you have this thing and it's amazing and it really, it kind of like, yeah, it is. It looks really good and it turns out the kids love it and everything. And it breaks the very next day. Like, it's just done. It's like, wow, I'm glad they used the thinnest plastic they could find. It's awesome, right? And this world promises. It promises things with advertising. It promises things with with things like drugs and alcohol. It promises things like, you know, get your revenge. If you get your revenge, it'll make you feel better. Even though they wronged you, if you wrong them back, it'll make everything good. What is almost every movie about? Revenge. As long as I kill everybody that killed my, the person I loved, phew, now I'm all good. Roll the credits, right? Revenge is awesome. It'll make you all good, make you tough. And, we, and our, our, our culture presents these waves, waves, waves. You should do this, be this, live this way, be this type of person. Let me give you a really practical example. This last Wednesday, I, I called all, all of you to sacrifice some of your time to go to the presentation on Wednesday. We had a lot of people from Northridge that came to that presentation. You know what they usually have had at that? I was just talking to somebody about this. They usually have had five to ten people show up to that from the entire community when they do a presentation about drugs and alcohol. They had five to ten people show up. Okay? This time, we probably, about a third of the people there were from Northridge. And they had, they had nearly 70 people there, okay? which was a huge, I mean, just blew their mind. They were very encouraged by it. That was good. But I bring this up to say that in this community, we have a significant drug and alcohol problem. It's not something that we'd like to talk about. It's not something that we do. But what's good is that we're starting to have conversations that people have not been willing to have in the past. 
Okay, I want to share some statistics. And we actually have, uh, because the Wanakee Community Cares Coalition and um, the Wanakee Community School District, they've actually compiled some numbers, and they've actually printed them up. In fact, we have a flyer on our info table. So if you want a little bit more of these numbers, I'm not going to share the numbers that are on that flyer, but they made a flyer that kind of tells you some of this. So feel free to grab a flyer because they made some of that so that we kind of have this in front of us. Um, and they did this. In fact, one of our very own, Jeff Lafferty, he is actually part of the Wanakee Community Cares Coalition. And he was the one that scrutinized over the numbers to make sure they were actually accurate and, and comparable and all that kind of stuff. So he does, he's done some really good work there. But I want to share some, some statistics to you that are somewhat disturbing. In the high school, they do a senior exit survey. Maybe you guys know this. Some of you have been through this. But they, all, they do a survey of all the seniors. And this is, this is a couple of things that they found. 82% of seniors think it is okay to get drunk. Just so we're clear, that's more than four out of five. Okay, seventy-four percent of seniors think totally okay to try drugs. So we're clear again. That's three out of four, by far the majority. Okay, think totally fine. Try drugs, absolutely fine. Okay. By the way, this is this is partly because a lot of their parents and a lot of adults think it's okay too. Okay, that's where this stems from because they think it's okay. It's not always. I'm not saying it's always that way. I'm just saying there's a lot. So these are disturbing. But let me give you one more statistic, another wave that comes out of this. And this is, this is something that was shared actually at the presentation. Uh, it was something that stuck with me. And I did some research to kind of see if this was you know, true. Um, and it sounds like they've done several different studies on this. And so they don't know exactly what the percentage is, but they think it's close to this. Okay? So just know it's not a hard and fast percentage, hard and fast number, but they think that it's pretty close to this. Nearly 90% of everyone who is currently addicted in this country started their path before they were 18 years old. Okay, you see, you put those three statistics together. Do you see the problem? Our culture is presenting this view. It's totally fine to get wasted. It's totally fine to get drunk. It's totally cool, especially in high school. Yeah, not a big deal. And yet 90% or nearly around that, somewhere around that number, 90% of everyone who's currently having issues with addiction to any substance started before they were 18 years old. It's because our culture is waving and promising and saying, hey, you can escape the frustration. You can escape the pain. You can escape this life that you have. And the way that you're going to do that is to get high or to get drunk. And they promise this life, but we all know what happens. The next day, what do you need? You need the next one. And you need the next one. And you need the next one. And you've got to one up because it's not as good a feeling as the first time. And all of a sudden, there you are. One thing that they also shared the presentation on Wednesday, um, and this is something that we've probably all heard before, but alcohol and marijuana are the two gateways to addiction to other stuff that's far worse. That's where almost every single person has started. They don't start like shooting up with really nasty stuff like heroin and this other stuff. They start with alcohol and marijuana, and then eventually they say, well, that's not working now, so I've got to go to the next best thing. And then they get addicted. And then they, I mean, nobody starts by saying, I hope I become an addict. They don't start out that way. But that's what happens when they realize and they see that they think their hope is tied to a substance or something that they can do. 
So where am I going with this? Well, what I'm really excited about is in this community here in Wanakee, they're starting to realize that this is a problem, and they're really starting to tackle it. The, the CARES Coalition, uh, the community, uh, the school district, um, the police department, um, they've, they've started this. I mean, they've had, I've had more conversations about this in the last couple of months than I've ever had in this community since I've lived here, which is several years. Okay, this is a good thing. Um, the, uh, the police department has, I don't know if you're aware of this, and I'm throwing this out there because it's good for us to be aware of this. They have a med drop box in their lobby. And I don't know, some of you have maybe used this, some of you haven't. Uh, I was not aware of this, and they've promoted this. And I don't know how I missed it, but they've promoted it. And they have a med drop box, and that is for anybody who has painkillers like Oxycontin, Oxycodone, fentanyl, all those kind of things, because one of the biggest things that we're seeing people die from in this community is from abusing painkillers. Like, it's one of the big things. They've started to see more and more people die because of that. And so the police department started this several years ago, and they would just take a, a pail of, of medicine into a place in Madison where they incinerate it, and they would take it in. Just every now and then they would take it in. But that was several years ago. Now, uh, the police department, they shared this, uh, one of the officers shared this actually on Wednesday night. But he said now they've gotten to the point now where people are using it so much. This tells you a lot of things. They're using it so much that they're ta- every 10 days they're taking a five-gallon bucket full of medication in to be incinerated. That's how much medication is sitting in homes and cabinets and all kind of stuff. And, and the police department will tell you not a whole bunch, about nine times out of ten, he said, when I go to home, it was stolen from a, a parent or a grandparent from their cabinet, and the kids got a hold of it, and then they went and they did something with it, and then they used it, and then somebody dies as a result. So we're doing some good things in this community. But I want to be very, very, very clear this morning. Wednesday was good. But one of the biggest problems is that we need to offer what the true solution is. And the true solution is not just education. Is education good? Absolutely. That's why I went on Wednesday. It's good. We need to get involved. In fact, I would encourage you, get involved in the coalition, get involved in the the school district, help them out. We should get involved in this. But education, all that stuff, we can't stop there. We have to offer them something that's better than drugs and alcohol and getting revenge and all this other stuff. And you know what that solution is, right? That solution is to give them the hope of all hopes, which is Jesus. There is no hope outside of real forgiveness from sin and real purpose in life, which goes through God and a relationship through Jesus. And so we've got to offer that hope as much as we can. And I've had amazing, some amazing conversations already with some leaders in this community about that very thing. And I would encourage you to get involved in that way as well. We have to start defying the waves. So I leave you with this. I challenge you today because this is one of those biggest things. This is one of the biggest things that we deal with. Our culture says, do this, be this way, and you will be happy. The problem is, for so many of us, and you guys can attest to this, you can answer this for yourself, why are we so sad and upset and frustrated all the time? It's because we're chasing what the world is offering to us. And it cannot give us any love or forgiveness or hope. It might, be able, it might help you check Facebook faster. 
It might keep your kids quieter in the van. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying they will not solve your problems. They will not give you hope. And so I challenge you, I double dog dare you today to commit to a life where you defy the cultural waves. Especially in this political season where everybody's shouting louder than everybody else. Let's try a different way. Let's try living a different way. And let's connect instead with the creator, the one who created peace, the one who created joy, the one who created forgiveness, the one who created love. Let's connect with him and see what our life can be as a result. So instead of me just yapping at you to end, I want to share with you one more time that same passage. I would encourage you to learn this set of verses here. It's a powerful one, but let me just read it for you. If you want to close your eyes and think about them, that's fine. You know, I'm not going to tell you you have to. It'll be up on the screen, but I want you to listen to these words, and I want this to be how we wrap up today. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let's pray. Jesus, we admit that we allow the waves of our culture to carry us away. We admit here this morning, Jesus, that that the waves have pounded us down to where we just don't have as much feeling as we did before. We've become numb. We've become callous. We admit that today, God. It's because we've built up this, this shell against all the waves that the culture keeps throwing at us. Very simply, I pray that you would help us as followers of Christ, as followers of you, God, help us to defy the waves. Help us to swim through under the waves because on the other side of those is the truth. God, help us to find peace rest for our souls that is worth fighting through the waves for I pray that you would help us draw us challenge us God to do that pray all of this in your name Jesus Amen